0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTshirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Viplis, and you're listening to this podcast, which is a part of the Inside Carolina Podcast Network. So first off, thank you for being here. If you haven't already subscribed to Inside Carolina, do that now wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube so you never miss any of the content our team at IC puts out. It hardly takes any time and it helps us out a lot. Also, speaking of support, we want to support the people that support us. So that's why on this podcast, I have to remind everybody about Jimmy's Famous Seafood. The reason they wanted to sponsor this podcast is simple. They are owned by UNC fans. With the pandemic and indoor dining restricted, it's a tough time right now to be a locally owned business. So it's helping out one of our own. And at the same time, you get ridiculously good seafood at a great price. A true win-win. For everybody wondering, my go-to order is the Famous Gift Box, where you get two massive crab cakes, two different kinds of crab soup, and then a half pint of crab dip. Visit them online at jimmysfamousseafood.com, and at checkout, use the code hashtag G-D-T-B-A-T-H for free two-day shipping. That's promo code hashtag G-D-T-B-A-T-H. All right, let's get to it. As always, I'm joined by my guy, Carolina basketball legend from the Oklahoma City Thunder, Justin Jackson. Justin. We're going to talk about the Tar Heels later on, but since the last time we talked, you've dropped two 20-point games in the past week. What's been going on with you that now all of a sudden you got this hot hand?
1: Hey man, uh just shots are falling for me, man. Um I'm getting a little bit more playing time, um just getting a little bit more comfortable out there and um like I said, things are just kind of falling for me, so you know, it's just kind of trying to build off of those off of those games, man, as much as I can.
0: One of the theories I've seen floated around on Twitter is that ever since you started this podcast with me, your minutes have gone up, your shooting's <laughs> gone up, your scoring's <laughs> gone up. Is there any correlation there?
1: I, I'm going to be honest. I've never seen that rumor, honestly. So That, that was must from just one be of my burner accounts. <laughs> <laughs> that might just be coming from you, man. But, hey, if, if that's what we need to do, man, we'll, we'll, we'll connect it.
0: The Bucks game, you hit the dagger three in the final seconds to seal that game. What has that been like for you where you go from having a limited type role early in the year to now you're now being counted on in the closing moments of games?
1: Yeah, I mean, it feels good. Um, you know, I was talking to one of my friends and, you know, obviously friends can always be biased, but, you know, they were saying like watching me play it kind of it resembles kind of me playing back at UNC as far as like playing a lot of minutes um, like doing a bunch of things out there. And, and like you say, kind of being relied upon a little bit. Um, and so, you know, it definitely feels good. I think all basketball players and all athletes and really any human being in, in general loves to be relied upon. So to feel like you're a part of something and you were a part of something, you know, as far as that was a big win for us against a good Bucks team and feeling like you were a big part of that. It definitely feels good.
0: I feel like it can be kind of hard to break out of a limited type role in the NBA because basketball is so big on finding a rhythm. So how have you kind of handled that to where you try to maximize any and all minutes you do
1: get? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like um you know, for me it's like realizing, you know, whatever minutes it is that I get, whether it is game minutes at, you know, the last 6 minutes of the game when we're you know, blowing out a team or getting or getting blown out, whatever it is like those minutes are the most important minutes. You know what I mean? Like that's my game, you know? Um, or it's, you know, three game, three minutes here that he puts me in or three minutes here that he puts me in. Like those minutes are like the most important minutes for me, you know, not sitting there like wishing that I was playing more minutes or wishing that I was in a different situation, but instead like attacking those minutes. And, um, you know, when I do that, um, You know, even in the beginning of the season, whenever I wasn't playing a lot, like, you know, still going out there and having that mindset, like it's helped me a whole lot.
0: Sticking with the UNC and the NBA theme, I wanted to ask, what's the relationship like between Carolina basketball players in the league that haven't played together? Like when you see a Harrison Barnes, Cam Johnson, uh, Kobe, Cole Anthony, or someone like Danny Green who came before you?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a little different, honestly, like the older guys, like Danny um, when Marvin was in the league, um, you know, guys that have been Harrison, like they're a little bit more, um, you know, we'll kind of chop it up. It's obviously different now with all the COVID protocols and stuff. Like you can't really even talk much on the court, but, um, but like the younger, man, the younger guys, man, like Nas, uh, Cole, Kobe, uh, you know, they're a little more standoffish, Um But I mean, I think, you know, North Carolina in general, just having that connection, like it gives you something to like, say, what's up? How are you doing? You know, like I didn't play with any of those guys, but you know, I can say what's up to them, you know what I mean? And it's like just having that connection and having kind of that, you know, people always say like that family, you know, type situation in North Carolina, like it always gives you something to connect on.
0: One aspect that kind of correlates to that, it's uh, Jalen Johnson, he opted out of the Dukes out of duke season and i don't really want to talk about him because we don't really know all the details around his unique situation but i think it does relate a bit somewhat to a guy like cole anthony who goes through something similar last year and he finishes out the year when it comes to cole specifically is that something where within the carolina basketball family he does get a bit more respect for going through tough times and he, he didn't leave the team and never once wavered when in all honesty, it probably could have been in his best interest to sit the remainder of the year when he had the injuries and there was just an overall lack of talent surrounding him.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, part of it is like, he, you know, he didn't give up on the team. You know, I think that right there should, should he should have be given a ton of respect for that in general. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he probably knew he was going to go to the draft um, after that year. Um, so he very easily could have said, All right, coach, like I'm out, you know, like I'm um, you know, I'm just gonna try to recover from this injury, get ready for the draft, but he didn't. And so you got to give him a ton of respect for that. Um, but I think it also just kind of goes back to how North Carolina is like wired, you know what I mean? Like you don't just give up on the team when you're at North Carolina. And then like, like we said, like I'm not saying that Jalen Johnson did that by any means because nobody knows what his you know situation is is fully about. Um But like with North Carolina, obviously it shows like there's very few people who leave North Carolina, you know, like whether they leave, you know, to transfer or like they leave like way earlier because they had an issue with something like there's it's very it's very hard to find situations where that has been a thing. And so I think just kind of goes back to how North Carolina does things and the way Cole handled himself was very professional and very, uh, you know, very big for for himself as well.
0: And then with a guy like Harrison Barnes, back when you were on the Kings, you guys got traded for each other. Is that something you guys ever talked about or anything that the Carolina basketball group chats ever, ever kind of joked about you two getting
1: traded for each other? Um, I mean, I've talked to him a little bit about it, you know, cause like when he first got traded, he was trying to figure out where like good places to stay were and all that sort of stuff. Um, so we've talked, you know, we've talked a little bit about it. It was, it was kind of a, a weird situation for both of us as far as like how the trades went down and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's kind of a touchy, a touchy subject, I guess, at times. So we don't talk about it a lot, but we have before. Um, and it is, it's kind of funny that you know both you and CLM were the were the the two big pieces during that trade. So you know, I guess that's just kind of how it how it works.
0: One player you did play with, Theo Pinson, he's on my Knicks. Like his time in Chapel Hill, he's slowly becoming a fan favorite in New York. And it's not even for his play on the court, but just his personality to where <laughs> he's more valuable to them in that locker room than going to the Westchester Knicks and the G League and you know getting actual basketball reps. What do you kind of think about that role for him? And what makes Theo,
1: Theo? man like that's I think that's literally the perfect the perfect description of Theo like everybody knows Theo's an amazing basketball player you know like he he can do a bunch of different things on the court he's really good on the court Um, but like what makes Theo Theo is the fact that he's such a good teammate like such a good like guy just to have around you know like he's always going to keep your spirits up he's always going to keep you laughing always going to be you know trying to hype you up stuff like that and so you know, it, I think that's literally the perfect, like, picture of Theo is like, okay, we would rather keep him in the locker room, even if we're not going to play him, because our team has more success when he's with us than to have him go and play, you know, like, that's, that's literally, that's him in a nutshell. So, you know, I hope, I hope hopefully, you know, during this time, he gets to get some playing time, you know, and show obviously how good he is on the court as well. But that's just Theo. When I heard that, man, I was like, That's him, man. That's literally him.
0: He's always the first guy off the bench and whether he plays or not, I think slowly he's going to become one of the uh, best-selling jerseys for the (laughs) Madison square garden, the way they kind of react to him on social media, but uh, moving to the part of the part, part of the podcast that we were all dreading talking about the UVA loss 60 to 48, where Carolina has now lost seven straight games what is it about Tony Bennett and his system that gives this UNC team so much trouble year in and year out, no matter who it is, you you plug in new guys and UVA is still the machine that keeps plugging away and beating Carolina.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. Obviously, Tony Bennett is, is a a great coach, you know? So like he, um, he has a lot of different things that, you know, really work for them their defense I think is what really causes the most trouble for us as far as our offense, like the way they play defense, they just, they pack it all the way in, you know? And so um, obviously like, we've got guys now that are starting to shoot the ball a little bit better, but when you pack the ball, when you pack, you know, the paint or you pack all driving lanes or whatever, the bigs can't really get going as much, you know? And so obviously that's like our biggest you know, strength right now in our offense is that we've got guys like G and Armando and De'Ron and obviously Walker played a little bit as well. But when whenever that happens, like when they play that kind of defense, you can't just enter the ball into the post, you know, like because you've got two or three guys around them. And so I think that's kind of what causes the most issues. Um, and then the way they play offense, like it, it completely goes against how North Carolina wants to play. Like we want to play fast. We want to try to turn people over. We want to try to get rebounds and go. like. And they use all their shot clock. They wait for the best shot possible. Like, And then it's like most of the time if they score, it's like, okay, we're taking the ball out. We're going against the set defense. Like, So it's just a totally different style of play. And so to beat them, like you really have to play almost perfect. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I don't think we can necessarily – hold that loss against them too much you know like I said before I I didn't win a single time at UVA the whole time I was at UNC that place was oh man that place was tough so you know hopefully they kind of learned from it obviously you know they had another game you know yesterday uh you know to kind of fill in for something but it's just a matter of learning because they're going to see them again you know they're going to see them again um I think they play them at home again and then they're for sure going to see them in the in the ACC tournament so you just got to kind of learn and try to figure out, you know, where you can, where you can attack them at.
0: The last time no scored in double figures was March 4th, 1966. <laughs> it was a 21 to 20 loss to Duke in the ACC tournament. It must've been one of those games where they're just holding the ball for five minutes of possession.
1: <laughs> Yo, oh, I didn't even think that was basketball. possible. I didn't but even think that was possible
0: that's it's it's a rare company that Carolina is kind of joining this year. They had the one game where no starters scored double figures now they have nobody scoring double figures it's it's a lot of history that you you don't want to be on that that side of but that's now four straight games where carolina has lost in charlottesville where they haven't scored at least 50 points the start of the streak was the game you mentioned the national championship year where you guys lost 53 to 43 there how demoralizing is it playing a team that grinds it out like uva where if you're down by eight it actually feels like you're almost down like 20 points at that point
1: it's so tough man um because then you start putting so much more pressure. You start rushing things because you feel like you got to try to make things happen quicker. Um, it's it's really hard, and that's why it's you know it's so important to go and playing your best. Because if you get down against a team like them, um, you know it's really really hard to come back because of just how slow they play and how methodical they play and how everything that they do is to slow you down. You know, and so if that's already their game plan and you're down, it, it's going to be hard to kind of chip away at that lead. So um, that's one of the things, bro, that you just got to come out from from the jump against them. And, you know, I had one I think I had two games where I beat Virginia in my whole career. And um, the one was the year we won it at UNC um, in the Dean Dome. And we came out and we kind of punched them in the mouth early. You know, and so it was like from then on, then they were the ones that were trying to play a totally different style and try to rush things and try to get things going, you know. And so it's like if you can force them into that, then you totally have a chance. But if you get down early against a team like them, it's going to be hard. UVA
0: is a great team, but UNC also, they had a week off between Pittsburgh and Clemson. They came out and had a terrible game. Then they had a week off between Duke and UVA another terrible game. How much do you think that could be blamed for those two poor performances where this Carolina team needs to stay in the rhythm of playing actual basketball games?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like basketball itself, you know, we talked about before, like basketball itself is a game of rhythm, you know, like, so whether it's shooting, whether it's just playing in general, you know, like running plays, the timing of plays, defensively being in the right spots, like it's all about having a rhythm. And so if you don't have that rhythm, then you're just kind of out there trying to figure it out as, as the game goes on and against a really good team, that's going to be really hard to do. And so, you know, I think a part of it is, I mean, <laughs> for example, they just, they tweeted out asking for another game, you know, so that they can try to stay in that rhythm, you know? So it's like, it, it is very important in basketball to have a rhythm that it, it's all about like muscle memory, you know, like shootings, all about muscle memory. And playing the game of basketball is all about that muscle memory and that rhythm that you have when you go out there and play. And so, you know, I think having a week off, I can't remember really having a week off in between games like that very often. Um, and so that, that can be tough because, you know, practice, practice is cool and all, but there's nothing that prepares you for games like game time, you know? And so, you know, you could say, okay, that is tough to have weeks in between games. That is very tough. Uh, but at the same time, When it's time to go play, you got to go play. Um, And so, you know, hopefully they can kind of get that rhythm and keep it going.
0: Going off that point, after the Virginia loss, you kind of want to get that bad taste out of your mouth and the Virginia Tech game gets postponed. Then the Boston College game for next Tuesday has already been postponed. There's a good chance the Louisville game set for Saturday could be postponed because they're (laughs) having some problems um, with COVID protocols right now do you think there is a level of frustration setting in, in the locker room with games getting canceled or how do you think the players in the locker room are kind of feeling about everything going on?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. I mean, in the world in general, but like to be a college athlete, like you go into school to play, you know what I mean? Like you don't go into school to just practice you know, you don't go into school just to lift. Like, you go into school to play games. Like, that's what you look forward to. And having these games postponed is tough. You know, like, that, that's aii – I don't really know, you know, kind of how their feelings are. But I'm sure there's some sort of, you know, frustration. There's some sort of anger um, just because they want to just play. You know, they want to have a normal season. And so, you know, it is, it is unfortunate that they kind of have to go through these things. I think that's why it's so important for – everyone in society but also like them in college to take kind of all the protocols and all that sort of stuff extremely serious because if they don't we're seeing kind of what could happen you know as far as the season goes and so um, you know it is very unfortunate I hate it for those guys because obviously like I said they, they just want to play and you know hopefully things kind of clear up a little bit and they can get back to a normal schedule so um, I guess we'll just have to kind of see.
0: You mentioned how strange of a time it is where Carolina is tweeting out looking for games to play and Northeastern was the team that accepted that opportunity to come to Chapel Hill. There's not a ton to take away since it's a game that Carolina should and they did handle quite easily winning 82 to 62. But the biggest takeaway for me seems to be the emergence recently of somebody like Walker Kessler. He's averaging nine and a half points and six rebounds over the last two games. What have you seen from him and what he can contribute to this team?
1: I mean, he's seven feet, you know, like he's seven feet and he's got very good touch. He can he can run pretty well, you know, like he can move pretty well. Um, so I think he just gives another dominant piece or it could be very dominant piece down low, you know. And plus, you know, he banked in a three last game, but like he you know, from what I've seen and from what I've heard, he has the ability to kind of stretch out a little bit, you know, and to kind of hit some jump shots or whatever. Um, So, I mean, he kind of gives that, you know, I think for just kind of for me watching, and obviously I don't, I don't, I've never really met the kid. I don't really know much about him. And so, um, you know, none, nothing is like, you know, coming at him or anything. I think something that I could really see him being huge for is like a true rim protector. You know, being seven one in college, like, you can really cause havoc down there in the paint. Um, And so I think if he starts doing that, I think he could really, he could end up being a really big piece for for UNC, you know. So it is good to kind of see him getting a little bit more playing time, get a little bit more comfortable out there. So, you know, hopefully he can just keep on building on it and keep on getting better.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that kind of dynamic that he could bring to this team where on defense he can be that post presence and on offense, he can be somebody who is able to stretch the floor for Carolina and kind of fix a lot of the spacing issues they're having playing two bigs like Roy wants to play. But another point from that game was making his announcing debut for the Northeastern game was Tyler Hansborough from your time in Chapel Hill. What is Tyler Hansborough? What is psycho T like? Because from the outside looking in, I wouldn't have guessed commentating would be something he'd, even want to do or ever try to do?
1: Yeah, man. Psycho T, uh, he's two completely different people on the court as opposed to off the court. Um, Everybody knows him as the legend that he is uh, when he was on the court at UNC. You know, like he was – put his body on the line every single game, went out there and worked so hard and did some amazing things while he was there. But off the court, I mean, he's a really chill guy. You know, like you can have conversations with him. You can talk with him. Um, and so it is, it is interesting. I wouldn't have thought commentating was something that he would have done either, uh, just cause he's kind of somebody that's to himself a little bit, but, uh, you know, it's good to kind of hear him out there talking and if there's anybody that really knows stuff about UNC and can really commentate about it, I think it's him. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to kind of see him stretching his wings a little bit and getting out there and commentating.
0: We're at 20 games now into this season, and it's still pretty hard to get a read on this team. And whether or not they're even a tournament worthy team at this point, in your opinion, where does this team still have the most room for improvement and how they can kind of maximize their potential and hit their ceiling?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think it's kind of what we've talked about all years is shooting, you know, if, if they can get guys like Kerwin and guys like Playtech and guys like RJ and even Caleb, like guys to really knock down shots consistently, um, you know, in the games that they have played really well, um, they have had that and it's opened things up way more for the guys inside who are the real, you know, the real, um, the real forces. Um, And so, you know, if they can, if they can do that, I think they are a tournament worthy team. You know, I think college basketball is in such a weird place right now because of COVID, because of guys deciding to just go straight to the G League, you know, like all of those things combined, it's kind of in a weird space right now. But I think they do have a chance to be a very, very good tournament-worthy team if they can do that. And then defensively, like we talk about with Walker, have a little bit more presence at the rim, um, you know, and just being a little bit more um, protective of the paint a little bit more, you know, which is crazy because we have some bigs that are big-time bigs, you know. But if they can do that and offensively stretch the floor a little bit and Be consistent with some shooting. I think they'll be okay.
0: Yeah, going back to that shooting point to close. I I wouldn't be mad if somebody like Kerwin Walton shot the ball every time down. I I love (laughs) watching him shoot it. Uh, I just have a certain confidence whenever I see him shoot. So I think the more more shots for Kerwin Walton, the better. But uh, to close out the podcast, Carolina plays Louisville this week. Supposedly on Saturday could get canceled. But besides that, their game for next week has already gotten canceled. So. Maybe we'll have a game to talk about next week, Justin. Maybe we won't, but we'll, we'll be here. Yeah, we'll be here,
1: man, no matter what.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.